Never had it so good. 101.1 Radio, the best R&B and hip hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. 
Talk Radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities. You will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thought, Love, and Reflection, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. I am going to try to stay calm, cool, and collected today and not get too um, caught up in my emotions uh, when I share this story with you. I think this story is the reason why we have to find and create an organization that will bring white America to its knees. from white America face-to-face continue to happen to young people. Too often, white America thinks it's no big deal to lock people of color up, even when they have not done anything to justify it. You guys know I'm the first to say that society has the right to protect itself from people who want to do it harm. Society does not have the right to do is to place innocent people 
in harm's way without any repercussion. And this story clearly shows how a corporation allowed its biases to override, you know, and I have to let you guys know, you know, I know that Martin Luther King and others spent time in jail so that I would have the rights that I have. And I'm sure there is something that I'm willing to do in terms of civil disobedience to go to jail. But when you choose to go to jail for something you believe in, you're willing to deal with the cost of those that decision. Problem here, and I hope all of you had a chance to watch that video, was that this was a young man, 28 years of age, who was having some very positive things happen in his life. He was struggling to make ends meet, but he was obtaining the American dream just like I I remember when I was getting ready to buy my first house, looking forward to it, gotten out of college, gotten a job, looking forward to buying my first house, put, you know, saving my money and doing all the right things. So I can imagine being in a situation where you got the car you want, you got a job that's paying you good money, you you got a uh, program that has helped you get a house, and you're looking forward to to just having things and and um, moving forward. Here you have a company or organization that turned dollars away from this man because he did something wrong. He wrote some bad checks. So he owed him $600. Instead of them putting his money into their account, he sent them, they sent him a check. So when he went to cash the check, because of his employee's bias, she thought the check was phony. The man leaves and comes back the next day, and they arrest him for a phony check that they wrote, they created, sent him to jail for five days before they when it, after a day they found out they made a mistake, but were not um willing to spend a lot of time on it, they made one phone call. Because they weren't due diligence in their efforts to make sure to correct the wrong that they did, this man spent five days in jail, lost his job, lost his car, and no telling how close he came to losing his house. This is some despicable behavior by a corporation then took over a year before they tried they before they reached out to him 
and finally a lawyer was willing to help this man, what happened to doing right because it's right? Again, we're living in a time where people don't take serious putting people in jail for garbage. And I think our police officers have to uh, get to the point where when they come up on a scene that they they need to use some common sense. Putting people in jail just because of white privilege. I am very concerned about the fact that our police officers are going out on scenes and doing things and deciding to arrest people just because somebody white says they have been harmed. This is getting to the point where it's ridiculous. Uh, Nate, what what are your thoughts about the fact here you you're um you have a son who's going to be coming of other you know young man and you don't want him being picked up for ridiculous stuff and dealing with the torment of jail just because some white person doesn't want to do due diligence. They just want to assume that we're we're doing something evil. Uh, good evening, everybody. And, and um, I watched that um that video and everything, and I want to just want to talk about the um the story for a second. The thing that really bothered me the most was that the person at the bank was interrogating him, was asking him what kind of uh, job do you have. Like he was like he had no business having that kind of money, you know, like he couldn't have made that money on his own. So she was out to get she was out to get him in the first place. You know, for the simple fact that the matter is that the check looked fake and everything. Her whole attitude changed towards him and everything. And then the thing that disgusted me at the end of it, because you say you won't get mad about it and I'm going to keep your emotions in check. I ain't going to keep my emotions in check because that could have been me or like you said with my son or my other son is that you made a flimsy phone call then on top of that, you didn't even check to see was the person even released or followed, did any kind of follow-up, or you didn't even call the branch that the check was where, where, where they supposed to have took place at to have them to do any follow-up to see what the man was released. The man was released four days later. Now, anything could have happened to that man while he was in jail. Anything. He could have got jumped on, could have got beat up, could have got raped, could have got killed, anything. And nobody, and nobody want to uh, address that fact. Then it took a year later only because a lawyer stepped in uh, and wrote them a letter. They wouldn't have wrote them a letter. They wouldn't even, they, Chase wouldn't even say nothing. Now, I like to think that Chase was also the same place where well, he was banking. That was also the same place that refinanced his house and, and refinanced his house and everything. So the man lost his, his job. Then they told his car. Then, and what killed me was they said he couldn't pay to get his car. He was only in jail for four days. They sold his car in four days. And four days, they didn't give him a chance to give us get his bill out. Now I'm applauding this um this, this brother because he kept himself in check. 
He could have went out there and hated the world and, and pulled a full uh, assault on white folks just because of what they did to him. But he kept himself together, and, and kudos go out to him. That's why I tell my son right here in one apart, understand where you at. Don't be run up on these people. Don't don't act. Don't look like you pose a threat to them. They say anything to you. Keep your distance. Say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Go on about your business. If you see the police officer, you know, keep a rapport with them. Get them. Let them know who you are. Not not by your background. They run a background check on you because then you're gonna be judged totally differently. Let them have a rapport with you. That way, when they when they see you, they say, oh, that's such and such. He he okay. Because a lot of times too. They react when they when they run a background check on you. They're reacting what you've done in your past, not what you what who you are right at that present. You might not even be that same person, but we do have to be careful because I was looking at the other video about the two Native American uh, guys that was at Colorado State, and the woman went up there and she called the police. And I listened and I listened to her message. She made it sound so much worse than what it was. She made it sound like they was such a threat to her that she could not live and everything. And the campus police came up to them. And and start doing questions, and they had invitations to uh, uh, to the school to visit the campus. And thank goodness that the president uh, of the campus jumped all over it and everything. But they said they might even go back to the school and visit, which I don't blame them. But it was the call that bothered me. She made it seem like they were some type of terrorist because she didn't like the way they looked. Cause they were dressed in black because they didn't fit a certain profile that they she thought they should have fit in. And I'm tired of this happening. When somebody called the police of a white persuasion, all because they're white, and make it sound like they're in such danger, things get happen. But one of us called the police or anything, they realize that we're African-American. We don't get the same type of treatment or the same type of response. That has to stop. Thank you, James. You know, it's incredible to me, Cheryl, that they put these routing numbers and they put all these numbers at the bottom of these checks to authenticate whether or not these checks are real or not. But this woman just didn't want to believe uh, that this man had uh, a check for $8,000. And so she just decided she was going to go the route of proving that the check was phony. And then went to the and, – and, you know, you had um, – 24 hours to find that the check was real and you put this man in jail and didn't do any due diligence to make sure that he got out and he stayed in there for five days. See, to me, this is an open and shut case where you put punitive damages on everybody involved so that they don't do people like that. Human beings should not be put in jail falsely and just like Nate said, anything could have happened to that man. He could have snapped and killed himself. And all of them would have been responsible because they put him through that. So at what point do we make these corporations and employees pay for their misconceptions? Good evening, and how's everyone doing? Um I, too, like you, um, was real sickened by um, what I listened to. And you're absolutely right. I mean, on every level, this was so wrong. But how 
a bank could not even apologize. Uh, you know, this was definitely the personal feelings of individuals who handled this situation. Because I, I don't, I'm not going to say that every teller would have handled the situation the same way. And because this was not investigated, you know, thoroughly before um, actions were taken, I mean, as a result, he lost a lot. And you're right. He should be compensated tremendously. And the, the saddest part about it is he cannot get that regain the emotional feeling, the traumatic experience, None of those things that he went through as a result of it and then lost his vehicle. I mean, he should be compensated in a way that replacing that vehicle as a a brand-new vehicle, the time, I don't know what the dollar amount, but I'm pretty sure him and his lawyer will definitely come up with an amount, and also a public apology. I mean, you know, it's no way that a company this big should get away with this. And 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 it's taken too long for anybody for somebody to handle this. That's this right. is way too long. And I can't even begin to um to imagine the the emotional effect this has on him. You know, spending that time in jail, losing his car, losing his vehicle, um, you know, losing his job. I mean, that's an experience that nobody, and all falsely accused and not even an apology, and it's been a year later, and they said they're going to investigate it and get back with someone. They know what happened. I mean, and just like neighbors say, everybody in the midst of it, he needs to be compensated for everybody who looked the other way in the midst of it. And definitely Chase Bank really needs to compensate. His house needs to be paid for in full. And that's the least should be done. And, And, I mean, the lack of employment, but you can you cannot get back what you did. I mean, once it's out there, you know, sorry would have been the least, and they didn't even do the least. I mean, this this is this is beyond. You know, you want to think that things is not happening out here, but I mean, it definitely is, and this is oh, this, this is bad. This really is. Really is, and you know the the deal is is that when people don't take responsibility and they don't have some major thing happen in their life, tend to believe that it's okay to do this again. I can check people of color like this again because nothing happened. You know, nobody lost their job. Uh, nobody was inconvenienced by a court, a civil court case, uh, and so, you know, it is—it's crazy. 
And uh, Reverend Slim, let me, you and I have been inside a jail. And I have been in, in, in jail for over 10 years when I was teaching. But I was not, I got, you know, the kids used to tell me all the time, Mr. Deshaies, you just like us. You get locked up every day, but you just get to go home uh, after a few hours. You know what I'm saying? So, but to have to spend the night in a place where you got the others have to watch you defecate and use the restroom, watch you shower, and for five days you did absolutely nothing, that is intolerable. And that's why I I I I get so upset at police officers because they don't understand what being locked up is. I spent seven years on the police review board, and I used to do ride along with the officers. And this one officer said to me when he caught this man drinking uh, with an open container uh, outside a bar. He said to me, he said, well, you want me to take him to jail so um, you'll see how all the system works? And I said to him, listen, this ain't show and tell. If that ain't what you normally do, don't do it, okay? And so what he did was just make the man pour the beer out, and we went on our way. But some of them think, you know, if I would have been cold enough to say, yeah, let me, you know, let's do it, I could not even imagine asking me that question to take hours out of this man's life as though it was no big deal. He know he normally just have people pour it out, but he was going to do a show and tell for me so I knew the whole experience. So it is just mind-boggling to me that people take people to jail as though it's no big deal. Good evening, everyone. Um, I'm listening to all that each one of you is speaking in. I I really don't know what to say per se. <laughs> I just know that this gentleman, if this is a real true story, and I say if, if this is a real real story, and he was definitely wrong. And we also look at where it was. It was in Auburn. So, but at the same time, he didn't deserve this. And the officers that came could have given him a summons to appear or to find out. They could have taken more time to find out actually what happened before they arrested him. That's a normal way to go and do things. But when you got these larger organizations, like you're saying, Chase and Bank of American Regions, all these banks, uh, they are large corporations, you're right, and they do get uh, preferential treatment a lot of times because when they call, usually when they are called, police are called, it, um, it, it, it is for real. Now, when it comes down to going to jail, I've been in jail working undercover. I've stayed in jail two or three days at a time trying to get information because they thought I was still on their side. 
so I was arrested with the bad guys trying to find out where they kept their stash at because we hadn't found out where that happened. So I stayed in jail until I got the information I needed, which sometimes took from uh, half a day to three days, the most I've spent in there. But finally, like James was speaking of, the last time I, I told him I can't take this, I can't do this, You can't. I'm not going to be locked up anymore. Because that is a sound that I don't wish on anyone. When those doors shut and you hear those clicks, and uh, you do have to go to the bathroom and everything the way James spoke of, it's terrible. It's terrible. But we do have to also remember that this guy does have a recourse. He has a recourse, and I'm pretty sure that he's, 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 he's uh, taken that recourse now. And as far as these corporations, they don't even um, um, respond to wealthy people in no quick fashion. Okay, they lie to the wealthy people. If you watch 60 Minutes a lot of times, you'll see where they still lying to large corporate, larger corporations are lying and and doing a lot of different things that they ought not to do. So don't expect anything different from them. That's not going to happen. If you was on um, looked at 60 Minutes on Sunday, it's the same. Basically, there's a drug for 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 infantile spasms. And it cost forty dollars. This one firm bought this company, and they and they took this medicine because it was a rarity of it. They took this medicine up to forty thousand dollars a bottle, and nobody has done anything about that yet. So there's so many things that's going on in this world since uh, y'all buddy got put in the office with his. Uh, foolishness and people thinking really that they can get away, including the police department. Just this afternoon here in Orlando, uh, the officer shot and killed a young man who was trying to get away. And they used the same old adage that they always use. We feared for our lives because he tried to run over us. If he tried to run over you and you jumped out of the way, you that still didn't mean you had to shoot at the car. You got other cars out there that could have stopped him in another way to keep you from shooting. We've become crazy when it comes down to law enforcement anymore. And I there's there's been a quick answer. We can I'm not gonna get my blood pressure up about it. I'm I don't like it at all. I was a cop for all those years and I tell you I, I've never during my time in 10 years, there wasn't any of that kind of foolishness going on. This newer breed of officers and police chiefs and sheriffs nowadays, it's, it's, it's sad that there's nobody to speak for the people, uh, but the people are going to have to speak for themselves in court. And so that's all I see on that. Uh, Joyce, you know, it, it's just amazing to me you know, when we, it, it, it cannot be in a peace and a spirit of people like all of us who um, who seemingly have gotten to a place where we get some kind of respect or when these young men are just getting started and they've been treated in this fashion, it just hurts your heart. Because this young man could be my son. 
That's true. Good afternoon, everyone. It's just it's hard, hard, hard drinking. But I, I think what we there's something that we can do. Uh, what is it? Taste bank. We need to do what our our ancestors used to do. Buckhot. We need to shut them down. We need to really start paying attention and support. We cannot fight the system one on one. We can't do it. We got to do it in a group, and and we power. You know, uh, structure power. Well, we got to do it as 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 a, as a big. You, they got to feel the pinch. If they're not feeling no heat, if they're not feeling it, and most of all, feeling it in their pocketbook and messing with their money, they they it's not going to work. But we got to taste too big of a bank for this to happen. It's unacceptable. Every last one of them, they should a whole bunch of heads should be rolling, and a lot of people should be fired. There's no way that this should have happened to anyone. Not only does he need to be compensated for his vehicle, he needs to be reinstated with his job. And if he cannot, they got to give him a job that's comparable. You need to do it for uh, uh, embarrassment. You know, that's defamation of character. You you now mm-hmm. got him painted as a person that whom he's not. You know, it's just a lot of things that can be done. I, I can't I even imagine this being that long, but yes, I can because, Justice is long. It, 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 through the system, it's long like that. Believe me, I've been dealing with a case for five years, and hopefully it'll be coming to a head fairly soon. But a lot of times, too, Reverend, there's no justice within the legal system because they all are buddies. Everybody know everybody, and they may be each other neighbors. So, you know, you're looking at that. So the fight is hard. you got to keep going. So in a situation like this, I think this is a big bank where this bank should feel the impact nationwide, and then something can be done that way. I, I, I really do. He, it's just hard to fight one-on-one with, with a, a big company and a strong company like Chase. But, you know, it, it's uncalled for. But now they told me something. I never do business with Chase. Word of mouth for killer company. So we just need to stop putting the word out on them. It is just amazing to me that you put those numbers at the bottom of that check. Again, I go back to uh, Nate. You put those numbers at the bottom of that check for a reason. And that check is is to determine, those numbers are to determine if those funds are available for distribution. Okay? I just don't know what it is other than this man's color that triggered her related to this being fraudulent. Their bank made the check. So the check had to be within the uh, the constraints of what they require for the check. So how is it that she thought it was fraud and she it took her more than 24 hours to make it, uh, to still stand on that and have this man arrested the next day? Well, my question was, who made the determination that the check was fraud and everything? I mean, there's way, like you said, they have the routing number at the bottom of the check. That alone should have uh, should have verified the check and everything. It was it was her attitude. She went she wasn't trying to prove that the check was was was, was real. She was trying to prove that the check wasn't real. She was more she was more busy trying to prove that it wasn't real than prove that it was real. And if she had an issue with the check not being real and everything like that, okay, just keep the check. You ain't had to call the police and have the man locked up or anything like that. I said, we're going to keep the check 
until we verify, you know, through, through proper channels. But she didn't want him to do it that way. What was the purpose in calling the police? That's what I don't understand. They get fraud checked all the time at the bank. I don't see the police being called. I was in the bank not too long ago to check with fraud. I didn't see the police call. Her intent was to humiliate this guy. Her intent was to make a point. And she, and she made a point. And just like it was said earlier, she didn't even lose her job. She didn't lose her job. She just had the freedom to do what she wants, and that was it. Matter of fact, not only did she didn't lose her job, we don't even know who she was. Her name was not even mentioned or anything. It's like they're protecting her, but this young man's name got scattered all, all, all across America, run down and everything, and he lost his job. Then was so jacked up about it, he went to jail for two two work days. How you lose your job like that in two, in two work days? Then he was in the jail over the weekend. Now, I'm quite sure he went and told him what happened. He still didn't get a job back. So, so, so like Michelle said before, he needs to be reimbursed for that, reimbursed for that alone uh, as well and have his name reinstated. Because once you lose your name, you can't get that back. But Chase still got their name. And just like Reverend Smith said, you know, they do it to rich people. So if they do it to rich people, you know we ain't standing no chance. And just like Ms. Joyce said earlier, one person ain't going to be able to beat Chase, but we all get together and boycott them and let them know we ain't going to stand for it, just like they did when that thing was down at Starbucks where everybody got together. The the owner of Starbucks or the CEO had to come out. He had to come out and dress it. It's the same thing here. We need all to stand up for that young man because that could happen to any one of us quick, fast, and a, and, and a hurt. And the sad thing about it, this was one was a good dude. He had a construction job, you know, I mean, he did it the right way. These are the ones we got to defend the most, the ones who did it the right way. Chase had the issue, not him. Thank you. You know, and people don't understand that uh, you cannot know how jail is going to affect you before you experience it. And I can tell you that when I was spent seven years on the police review board, uh, we went to exercises and we went to things, and I wouldn't let them arrest me. I wouldn't let them handcuff me because I told them straight up, I don't want to know what it feels like to be handcuffed. So I wouldn't participate in those kind of exercises. And so, you know, they thought I was being funny, but I said, no, no, I don't want to know what that's like. And so you ain't, you, even though I know right. you're going to take them right off, I don't even want you to put them on in the first place. And I was serious about that. And so, um, you know, it, it's amazing to me that people don't understand how traumatic it is to even just have somebody put handcuffs on you. That is a big deal in the minds of some people. And everybody is not equipped to to, to, to put up with that experience, Cheryl. You're right. Everybody is not. And you don't know, and nobody knows, you know, how he dealt with the situation or how he is still dealing with the situation. Because, you know, a whole year later, I mean, they have not communicated with him or anything. So imagine what he's going through because they didn't even try to soothe the womb at all. You know, they just saying that they'll investigate and they'll get back. 
um, you know, Joyce is right, is that when we are not making a stand when it comes to messing with people's money. And I've heard so many stories about Chase and the different things that they do and the way, you know, people are treated. And it's that I would have immediately taken my money. I don't care how many years I've been with a certain bank, uh, but this is my money I'm putting it in your bank. And if I couldn't get customer service satisfaction when I'm dealing with you, then my money will, anybody will take my money. Any of these banks will take uh, my money. But um, time and time again I have heard, you know, quite a few um, not as this traumatic, but quite a few stories. And I'm pretty sure, you know, um, you know, some banks um, take pride in their bank and try to do whatever they could to resolve any kind of situation. But then you got some of them, you know, they're arrogant. And, and you know, when I first heard this story and started listening to it, it seemed to me that this was, a personal thing. You know, who are you to have this amount of money? You know, and I go back to the same thing. My son, he was 18 years old going on 19 when we was in um, Tennessee. This was my oldest son, and he was driving a Toyota Tundra. And every time he rode through this this certain town and he had to ride through it to get to the next town, he got stopped every single time. And the first thing is, who's this vehicle for? You know, and my thing is, why it couldn't have been for him? Why did it have to belong to somebody else? So we are, we are very much stereotyped. And, you know, in certain things, as long as we allow it to continue to happen, it will happen. And until we take a stand for it and hurt them where it really hurts, then they're going to continue doing just what they've been doing and think nothing of it. I, I have to share with you all, uh, as I went back over this, I went back in my mind uh, to to a couple of things I want to share with you related to these crazy banks. Um, when my mother passed away, and I had to be in my 30s at the time this happened, so I was no young dude. And um, my name had always been on her account. And I went to the bank, and um, I can't remember exactly how much money was in the account, but that triggered one of the tellers' minds. And she looked at me and thought that, you know, who is he and why is he able to get into this account? Uh, Because the account had to be an old account you know, because my mom had been a teacher for so long. And um, and I was uh, younger than, I probably was younger than the account was. And so um, when I went up there to, to make the transaction, they told me I had to do a, a proof of signature. So everybody else go up there, ain't no, they ain't asked nobody else for no proof of signature. So I, I asked to see the... Um, the branch manager, because I, I was like, hey, why are you 
my name is on the account. I'm giving you my driver's license. Why do I have to prove my signature? Okay, so they wanted to go all the way back, pull out the card, and go through this whole process to verify my signature. And you all know we don't write the signature the same. You know, after years, you know, your signature changes. But, I mean, it, it really ticked me off. And uh, so, you know, we, we we got to know that these people are using their biases every day uh, and and they might get 10 wrong to get one right. And inconveniencing everybody that they believe is doing something inappropriate. So we know that there's a lot of people out there who are doing things with banks they're not supposed to. But, Reverend Smith, I tell you this story, uh, and, again, it's another of those great stories, I went to an account that I know I didn't have but a few hundred dollars in and and it was just a bank that was close to my to my uh school at the time. So I walked down there to just give me a few dollars or deposit a few dollars and I asked, I always asked the lady what my balance was. So the lady said, Oh, your balance is six thousand dollars I said, Look, ma'am, my balance ain't no six thousand dollars. I said you need to. Oh yeah, that's what it is. And uh, you can you can have all this, you know. And I was smart enough to know that, ma'am, you need to go back and check that. And I went on about my business because I know I had deposited no six thousand dollars in that account. Somebody had transposed some numbers. Now if I had told them to give me all that six thousand dollars, I'd been in jail. So, Reverend Smith, we know that they go through things, but they know they need to be checking, not to hold the, the customer responsible. They do. They 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 should check. I mean, as far as the signature card that you were talking about, that is a common occurrence, James. You know that. That they do check after such a long period of time. They do check the signature card. When it goes back to the point, usually when a bank, I know when I was a state attorney investigator, usually when a bank is coming in, uh, someone is trying to defraud a bank, they don't call the police, period. They actually take take a complaint and they take it down to the state attorney office. It doesn't even go to the police department unless it actually changed in the last few years. It goes to the state attorney office because the state attorney office deals with most of the frauds. And so they didn't have to call the police officers on this boy. They could not. They could have avoided a lot of this stuff if it actually happened the way that they say it happened over there. I don't know, but I'm just saying it, we all know, and we need to, we need to, <laughs> we should not be surprised. But I heard Cheryl say it herself that there was a town that her son used to go through. When I was in the military, and we used to come from Greenville, South Carolina, to my hometown down here in Florida, we would get stopped every time we go through Georgia. 
We had uniforms on. It didn't make no difference. We were getting stopped. The, 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 the trend have not changed. It hasn't changed that much. And that's what anger, that's the only thing that really angers me. When I hear black people talking about how much stride, we have made undercover stride, <laughs> but we have not made no overt stride at all. Because mm-hmm. under, underneath all of that, sometimes even when you go into a restaurant, you go in there to eat. And y'all have heard this before yourself. Those people go back there and throw those plates away or whatever. You know, so it, it's, it's nothing new. None of the stuff that we're talking about now is basically new. We were just saying that this is the 21st century, and it should be. It should be new. It should be. It shouldn't even be happening. But it, it was down, and this man brought it all back to the forefront. So people now feel emboldened to do what they choose to do because nobody's going to bother with them. We all know that. There's no sense in us getting our blood pressure up about it either because it's going to happen. It's going to continue to happen until a change comes, and we can talk about going down there and marching or do whatever we choose to do. When we get through marching, and them people, you know how we are. When we march for a little while, we get tired, we're going home. I ain't going back out there. I ain't going back out there. They ain't bothering me. I'm going home. And, and that's what's going to happen. So I look at it this way. I fight my battles, and I fight my battles on the inside. I can't fight a battle from the outside. I got to get on the inside where the fighting is. And I do it. Um, I do my fighting undercover. And when I speak, my voice is heard. When I stand out there in the forefront and speak and speak and speak, those are just empty words. But when you get in there where you can mess with them the same way they're messing with you, then you got something going on for yourself. But as long as we stand out here on the outside and grumble, it's not going to. We can. Put 50, 100 people together, it's still not going to make a difference. But we got to get on the inside and fight. Inside. That's why I took the positions I took when I was in law enforcement, so I could fight them from the inside. And I was able to get a lot of blacks hired and a lot of things done by making a fool out of them when they thought they was making a fool out of me. George, you know, we... I still believe, and I'm going to say this to everybody, uh, we talked about the different attitudes that existed in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And we need to go back and recreate or create an organization that is willing to fight these battles for us around the country. Uh, we had people in the 60s who were prepared and ready to do battle on these different uh, positions. Sir Gerald Marshall and others who uh, went around the country process, uh, uh, helping young men in criminal cases. Well, we have to help somebody willing and prepared to help in civil cases and so that we can do something to make a change. Uh, I had a cousin of mine 
who had a case that she was fighting where a judge posed a uh, $5,000 punishment, told her she had to pay these people $5,000. So she wanted to go and um, fight back and get an appeal. She went to a lawyer, and the lawyer told her she, she charged 10 so now why would I pay you 10 to not pay back five? You know, there's something wrong with situation where people who don't have money aren't able to get justice. Well, it's not necessarily not they have money. You, you just, it's a stacked deck. We just need people, and just like the brother said, you, you got to be willing to fight inside the system. We don't have no fighters inside the system to help us because I tell you what, even the legal system, when you get the brothers who are lawyers and the whole bit, these are their comrades that he got to go up against. So he got to really weigh whether or not he's willing to put himself on the line just for you or sister or brother when he know what he got to deal with this judge, white judge, day in and day out, you see. So we don't have enough inside. We need black doctors. We need black lawyers. We need black judges. We need them from all across the board. We got to start training our young people to get in those key positions to take care of us. We are so dependent on other people to take care of us for things that we need. We don't have enough black doctors. We don't have enough black lawyers. We don't have enough black teachers. We don't have anything that is invested in us already. So and it needs to start on the home front, sweetie. We 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 can't go asking for for the top level because the high high thoroughgood work their way up is to live people like us who was willing to make a difference on a on a local level within our home. We had the mindset. We learned it in the church. We got together as the church members. The preachers even directed us the way to go. When we go to vote, this is how we got other make sure that they get to the polls we got to go back to that what has happened with us is that we so spread it out where we used to be as one in a community where we can get the word out and we ain't worried about nobody else knowing what what's going to go down but now hell another person already know before we get to the to the end of the street because your best friend ain't no sister no more your best friend ain't no brother no more so you think they so cool and sharing all your information with them, and they blasting it out right behind your back. So we don't have no one inside the system to help us the way that we need to. So I think, you know, we got a lot of a lot of soul searching to do. We got a lot of teaching to do. We got a lot of learning to do, and we got a lot of communicate. We got to communicate. That's key. Let me know what you know. How did you get over to get to point B to get this off of your system? So when you, when you successful with something, you got to share with the other person. And this is how we learn. Right. I've learned so much on this on this on your station, James. How to maneuver, how to stick up for myself, what to do in, in, in critical situations. This is what we can teach our young people. Pass it on. So uh, right here is key. You the key right now. This show every day. This is the start right here. Today. Uh, Regina, um, I don't know. Were you able to see the video, Regina? Regina, are you there?
All right, we're going to take a short break, and we'll come back and continue the conversation. to us as a society and people of color have to be prepared 
to speak up and speak loudly. Uh, Regina, are you there? Yes, I know I've been going in and out today, but um, I, I did go back and look at the videos and listen to what was going on, and my goodness, these are some unreal stories. These are very unreal, but um, I, I agree with all of the comments, and I especially agree with the confirmation of, of fighting from within and not necessarily knowing, letting people know what your next move is. I appreciate that today. I really, after the weekend that I had, I really appreciate that. So I've enjoyed the program, and you all just keep doing what you're doing. Oh, James? Yes, Regina. Saturday, Saturday, we registered 30, 30 new voters, including 10 felons who didn't think they could, and we, uh, in South Carolina, we have the picture ID uh, where your picture actually goes on your voter registration card, and we got um, 20 of those done. So it was a, a very uh, good day for us. All right. Keep doing what you're doing, uh, Regina. And we know that Amen. you're out there fighting a good fight. Thank you. Amen. You know, it is important. Uh, and I'm going to continue to say that if the organizations we presently have are not willing to step up, then we need to uh, try to to get a new organization started because we need a organization that is on the the level of the NRA to fight the battle that we are waging right now. I'm not sure I don't I don't understand with the wealth that we have in our nation as people of color why we can't have an organization of that statue, Cheryl. Cuz first of all, we don't stick together. Second of all, we don't Amen. trust. Amen. Um and you know, I think just like Joyce was saying, that we're not willing to help each other along the way. When we find out something, then we keep it to ourselves. So we don't come together. You know, we don't. We just don't do it. And we. And I don't know if. And and I think it was Joyce that said it as well. Or I'm not sure if or Reverend Smith, um, but. You know, we are so scattered apart, those that are willing to come together, we're so far apart. Mm-hmm. And and the ones that's around us, they're not willing to come together. I mean, you know, some people are so content with just anything and willing to accept anything and content and lazy and not willing to do anything at all. And I mean, I know that um, 
Well, I live in an area, it is, well, I'm on a street that's five miles long, and I think I've told y'all, and we're the only black people on this street. So then we go into, and when I say that, don't think, we don't live in the suburbs. We live in the um, in the country. We live in a country, old country, where um, they hang their Confederate flags outside their door, um, watch when you're crossing the road, that if they're going too fast and you're in the middle of the road, you may, they may just keep on going, that kind of um, street we live on. But then we go to the next community, it's so poverty-struck that they're not even willing to be educated as far as how they can come up because they're so content. They're so content sitting on the porches and talking about each other, seeing what's going on, and not want to make a movement of any kind. And like you say, we don't trust each other. That's just it. We don't. We don't want to share anything. We don't want to do We just don't want to do it. And we're not enough of us together and in the vicinity of each other that can make a, um, a major impact within the community. You know, I, I want to say a couple of things, and Reverend I'd like you to follow it up. Uh, you know, we're going to have to make a change. There's some things that we did in the 50s, 60s, and 70s that worked. Now, Thurgood Marshall was ever able to do some amazing things because churches and uh, people were prepared to give him money, uh, is you know, from all small amounts to large amounts, to fight the battles that he fought. So you had people who were willing to give him rides, willing to give him shelter, willing to give him, uh, you know, nickels and dimes and quarters and dollars. And so he was able to wage these wars in these different areas. But, you know, something happened, and we have not gotten the, the intelligence that we need uh, to get to the place where we support people to support us. Uh, I remember my mom talking about how unhappy she was about the fact that when Disney first came to Orlando, Disney was trying to give away his stock and made special provisions for teachers and other um, professionals uh, like um, police officers and everybody trying to get that capital together, and African-Americans didn't see the vision. And there were some people who got rich who were willing to get on that train and ride it when it first got started. And so we're going to have Amen. to do better about putting ourselves in a position to help everybody by using these vehicles that are available to everybody and be willing to support people who are willing to fight for us. I agree with you 100%, Jane, but like Cheryl said and Joyce and everybody else is speaking, Nate, we got such a problem that it's really – 
we have, let's put it this way, we've become dorsal. We have become dorsal. Those are two friends. We, the worst thing that ever happened to us, and you all can disagree if you want to, but to each his own thoughts, you know, we all are to agree to disagree to agree. But integration was the worst thing that ever happened to us as a community of black folks. I agree. All, all of our mom and pop stores, all of the things that we were, we, we had control. We had total control of our children. We had mm-hmm. total control of our communities. We had mm-hmm. total control of our spending power. All of that stuff. We had control of that. And now you can't hardly find in any community, any black person that owns a, a store, anything that's thriving or making anything or doing anything. But let one of those folk come from outside, excuse me, and put a store right in the middle of us, the same kind of store that your brother got. We would not go to that brother. We'd go to that other store. Yes, we indeed. Have lost and that's We have lost our identity. And the other thing that really bothers me is when I see a lot of these people with the educational we all got education. We blessed with it. We got God blessed us to have it. So good, good. God bless. Okay? But when you get in these positions, when the white man get in those positions, he brings other whites up with him. Yeah. When we get in positions, we bring other whites up with us. Yeah. yeah. We don't we yeah. we do not. It's almost like we are scared they to actually Bring other blacks up with us. But the white man ain't scared to do nothing. He does what he want to do. That's right. I know for a fact that our our, uh, special agent supervisors and FDLE and other agencies, they were scared to even almost go and have lunch with the brothers a lot of times. You know what you know what they say. You know what they gonna say. Who cares what? Don't nobody say nothing when they go to lunch together. That's right. You're right. It's, it's sad that we have lost our identity. Come on now. Come on, somebody. We have lost yeah. our identity. You, you, you got it. So You're right on point. Our mm-hmm. brothers got to the point now they don't even want to marry our sisters. They want to go and get them a white woman. They don't, it's gotten crazy. It's gotten crazy. But my thing is this. What goes up must come down. Uh-huh. God knows what's going on. Uh-huh. And all I, I just, I'm just so, the saddest part about me, James, and everyone else on this line, is the young people that are being trampled because they are allowing themselves to be trampled. And our churches aren't doing a God blessed thing about it. Our churches, I was reading, I get a, a, a publication once a month, supposedly. We can't even put a publication out on time. I got a publication today, all the way from back in February, from the Christian Recorder. Now, you putting out publication. See, a white man would have had the publication out in February. But I'm getting it here in, in May. See, we, we we messed up. And there was one guy, one reverend, a reverend doctor, as they want to call themselves, 
he put an article in that paper, and he was talking about how the black church has gone to hell in a handbasket. And I couldn't believe. I said, boy, you know you in the AME church and all. <laughs> but he was right. Everything he said, I just started clapping and carrying on. I guess if somebody had been in there, they thought I was crazy. Somebody see the light and how we are degrading and we are being denigrated and we are constantly degrading ourselves as, as pastors in churches because we are not helping out there. We could take up money. You take up money so you can send the bishop over to get him a, a, a $500 room. So take up money so you can give to a lawyer so he can fight a case for a brother or sister. Amen. Help out one another. But we are not doing that anymore. And I don't mean to get excited, but anytime I get to talking about the church, I'm writing a book about the church and, and, and my police work. So, But I'm going to tell you, it's sad that we are actually going through these changes today. This is the 21st and, century, folks. You know, James, gonna... I, I hope Captain Bishop, um, Reverend Smith, I really need, James, would you please give him my contact information? Because when I just said to you all after the weekend that I had, the weekend mm-hmm. that I had was it was directly related to the church and not and and the way that I'm supposed to to bow down to these huge churches and uh-huh. and, and not protect the neighborhoods that they're trying to overtake. And it has I have been called, I've been told I'm mean spirited, um, that oh I, that mm. nobody in the church likes me, uh I'm oh, my. alienating myself, but and, and I'm not a leader because I'm not I don't have the people in the church following me, but I have everybody mm. in the neighborhood following me because they know that I'm trying to protect them. I need to talk uh-huh. to you. This oh, has yeah. been a weekend when your own folk come against you because you're doing right. I know mm-hmm. all about This has been absolutely a weekend where I was so depressed. If I hadn't talked to my daddy last night, mm. I don't know where I would have been today. Well, I, I, tell I you just my... started doubting everything that I was doing even though we got all of those voters and and all of this good stuff, all of a sudden the church that I grew up in just just Don't ever doubt yourself over what a church say, okay? Don't ever doubt yourself over what a church say, please. If you you were giving them that money and all of that stuff, they'd have been Johnny on the spot. They'd have been hollering Uh you're the greatest thing since life bread. And sometimes, okay. Regina, they're the last one to come on board, you see. Amen. They're the last one for sometimes Amen. to come on board. But that's Amen. where the strength used to be in the church a long time ago. That's where all the strength is. That's but, where but it starts now, from. It, 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 it's in the flip-flop itself. They're afraid to stand up. It used to be uh, the ministry alliances where the ministers would meet and they would have an agenda as each person yes. in each church would be on the same page. Right. You know what I mean? Yes. And then this way you right. make your community strong. But 
uh, they got to they got to be cool. They got to have the best car. They got to the the, the suits and so they're yes. lost their purpose. You see, so in order for yes. them to lead you and, and and we just the sheep and the shepherd, they they got to be on board. But they they ego tripping. Right. But their their right. their agenda got to be right. You know. So when you go to church, you need to stand up and you need to tell that you know I'm here right. to fight for the community and I need your support to get on board. You know, I wish I was there with you, sweetie. I still go to church with you and stand up. And you know me, I talk. I know you will. This is just absolutely, absolutely crazy. It's sad that you are having to go that. If James would just give you my contact information, I would would certainly appreciate it. Okay, dear. All right. Well, I'll make that happen. Let's go on a break, and then we'll come back and get everybody's final thoughts for this evening. The company is using our great-grandmother's pickle recipe. Cucumbers, dill, peppers, and garlic. That's it. Pairing that with a Triscuit. It's been around for over 100 years. Triscuit starts with three ingredients. It's really simple. We want to keep doing that. This song says, God's mercy kept me. So I wouldn't let go. Anybody in here ever felt like giving up, just throwing in the towel, just giving up? I'm not going to ask you to hunt anybody, but just look at them. That person you're looking at is here tonight only because of God's mercy and His grace. Somebody ought to just tell God, thank you for your mercy and your grace that kept me. Every time you confront someone, do it on a business manner. 
and let them know that you're serious about it. Plus, we need to start, oh, my final thought is hashtag don't do chase bank. <laughs> Thank you. All right, all right. Uh, Joyce, I mean, I mean, Cheryl, what is your final thought for this evening? Oh, that was a good one, Joyce. Um, yes, it was. As we see that there's so much, there's so much to be done, um, and sometimes the fight gets hard. Sometimes, you know, we get tired. But the main thing is that we can't quit at the things that no. we thought because if we quit, we won't win. So whatever Amen. we do, we can always do more. Do that. All right. Uh, Reverend Smith, your final thought for this evening? I'd just like to say thank God for all of you. Uh, and it is a sad commentary that we are even discussing this, and it's a continual subject that we discuss, but it's a must. It's a must. And I felt kind of some kind of way when I saw what the topic was possibly going to be about. But I realized that it, it, it is a must. It's a must. There's stories to be told and people to be heard, and we need to listen. And we need to, like uh, Cheryl said or George Warner said, we just got to do more. We got to do more. Got to do better. But we can only do it from the inside. Yeah, you know, it is heartbreaking, uh, all the videos. I only send you all a portion of the videos that I I view, and I'm always out there looking for the story uh, that we really need to, to talk about and discuss. And I try to to to, to move them around uh, because you can get stuck on Donald Trump. You can get stuck on uh, police brutality. You can get stuck on the economy, uh, but I want to give us a, a whole lot of different subjects that we can talk about, and uh, we have to be prepared to act and and make statements about all of them because all of them have value. Uh, so thank you for your continued support. I'll be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, so that we can make sure that our voices are heard loud and clear. Father, help your children and don't let them fall by the side of the road. That heaven might find a place in their heart. Jesus is love. He won't let you down. And I know. Oh, uh-huh.